0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. Another edition, uh, May 5th. Cinco de Mayo. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined as always by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Chip. How about you?
0: Well, we got these fancy new microphones, so oh. I'm, I'm, I'm like, wow, we're, we're fancy today. <laughs> so those of you who are listening, just know we have uh, new microphones for those of you watching us on the... 24 seven sports YouTube channel. You can see these microphones actually on screen, but uh, Taylor, it's, it's been an interesting week. We had the NFL draft over the weekend. We'll get into that. We've um, Greg Kelly, the wrongly convicted former Leander safety who actually went to Texas for a semester and tried out for the Longhorns last year but they didn't take any walk-ons because of the pandemic. And then he got a scholarship to Eastern Michigan is in the transfer portal, hoping to come back to Texas and walk on because he's married and his wife, Gabriel is uh, with the move dance and fitness Academy in Cedar park. They've been apart for a year and he's ready to, to come back and be with his wife. And so, Uh, We touched on that in the morning brew this week at Horns 24-7, and of course, big things going on with UT Baseball this weekend, taking on TCU for first place in the Big 12, so we'll get to all of that and, of course, more Texas football, because football season never ends here on the Flagship Podcast with uh, myself and Taylor Estes. We talk football year-round, baby, so... Um, Taylor, I guess we'll, we'll start off with the NFL draft and Sam Cosme goes in the second round to the Washington Redskins, Joseph Osai in the, in the third round to the Cincinnati Bengals, that poor guy, I was hoping he'd end up with a, a franchise that actually tries to compete to win playoffs and championships, um, And Taquan Graham in the fifth round to the Atlanta Falcons, the defensive tackle from Texas, Uh, safety Caden Stearns, who said, I will be the steal of the draft, goes in the fifth round to the Denver Broncos, and quarterback Sam Ellinger in the sixth round to the Indianapolis Colts, Taylor. Come on.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is the, I think it's only the second time that Texas has had um, five players drafted since 2010 the last time being in 2015. But yeah, you know, I I felt the same way about Osai, you know, and I was, I was a little surprised, honestly, that he went to, you know, in the third round, I thought for sure he would be a second round pick. I think that the Bengals did get a steal because I really, I mean, you know, after watching that kid play for the last three years, there's, if there's any person that, in my opinion, had the, you know, probably the best chance of making it a long NFL career. And by leaving early, I thought it would probably be Joseph Osai, even though Sam Cosme, you know, we figured we're going to, was going to be drafted higher than he was, but yeah, I thought that was, that was surprising. It's interesting to hear Caden Stearns that he's saying, you know, he's going to be the steal of the draft. Cause I think most people out there would say he never absolutely should not have gone in the draft, but you know, we had heard for over a year that, you know, Stearns was really just unhappy at Texas. So players unhappy may as well, you know, I guess, try your luck. But I mean, I thought, I thought Osai kind of slipping a little bit was one of the biggest surprises to me, Chip. What was, what was it for you?
0: Yeah. And I, I talked to some scouts who felt like Osai because he didn't have crazy production. I mean, he never had more than five sacks in a season. Um, He's a guy you really have to study on film and he's not, You know, he's not Jadavion Clowney as a pass rusher. He's not one of the, you know, he's not a a huge guy. He's 6'4", he's 230, 235. He's just super athletic and and has a great motor. So I think he's a 10-year guy, but I heard from NFL scouts who said he doesn't have freakish measurables. He doesn't have like elastic long arms like Charles and and things like that. And he doesn't have the 10 sack season or the 13 sack season that that scouts look for and, and sell to their, their general manager or their owner. Um, But I was hoping he would end up with a team like the Minnesota Vikings with a defensive minded head coach or the Baltimore Ravens, or even the Cowboys, because the Cowboys have needs on the defensive side and they, they went after linebackers. They drafted Micah Parsons from Penn State and Jabril Cox from LSU, who transferred to LSU from North Dakota State. And I know some scouts with the Cowboys liked Joseph Osai, but they said they would probably find value in him in the third round, which I thought was interesting because I, I think Joseph Osai, like I said, I think he's a 10-year player. He just he loves the game. He wants to be great. Those are the things that it takes to be a ten-year guy in the NFL. I think it's, um, you know, I think it's interesting. Taquan Graham goes in the fifth round to the Atlanta Falcons, and he's going to learn from a guy, um, Grady Jarrett, who also went in the fifth round from Clemson, and then went on to get a sixty-eight million-dollar contract, and is now a Pro Bowler. So if you need any reassurance that a fifth-round pick can develop into a a second contract guy, a Pro Bowler, you're working with him, you're learning from him, and I think that's great because I think Taquan Graham and and Caten Stearns both their their best football is still ahead of them. Taquan Graham played the four eye and and then he finally got to play the three technique and and he didn't have great numbers, but again, he's he's big strong. He's got a motor, he's athletic, he's explosive. He just needs to be coached as, as to how to, to play the three technique and cut it loose when he needs to cut it loose. And, and Caden Stearns going to Denver. How about that? He's going to be competing with PJ Locke. Yeah. Um. To, to probably replace Kareem Jackson. Who's, you know, a 12 year veteran who played corner in the NFL. Now he's at safety, but he's, Long in the tooth, we know how that goes. Teams are always looking to get younger and cheaper and and hopefully better, not just cheaper, like the Bengals. <laughs> and then Sam Ellinger going in the sixth round of the Indianapolis Colts. Now that's a, that's a great spot for him because he's got to beat out Jacob Eason to be Carson Wentz's backup quarterback. He's got a lot of similarities to Carson Wentz from a... You know, dual threat, tough guy, can can take a pounding and keep going. Obviously, he's got to show that he can make all the throws, but he's got an offensive-minded head coach in Frank Reich, a former quarterback who was with the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles, and then he gets the head coaching job with the Indianapolis Colts. So Ellinger's got a great opportunity there, even though he's a sixth-round pick, and you tend to think, oh man. The odds are against a sixth round pick. Tom Brady was a sixth round pick, by the way. So there's some opportunity in there. And Sam Cosme going to Washington. How about going up against Chase Young and Montez Sweat and all the stud defensive linemen that Washington has every day in practice? Now, I've talked to scouts who say Cosme's a right tackle. He's not a left tackle. He's either a right tackle or a guard. Um, But we'll see. Either way. That's kind of how Connor Williams went too. he played left tackle at Texas, ended up being a guard with the Cowboys. And and that's fine. As long as you find a home and and you're drawing a paycheck because uh, Colt McCoy, who just signed a one year deal with the Arizona Cardinals for his 12th season in the NFL is a multimillionaire because he was able to stick with a roster and make some plays when he got his opportunities and that's all it takes. If you're a backup quarterback, you can come in and lead your team to victory. When the starters down, man, that will buy you another year in the NFL and another year and another year. So it's, it's opportunity time for these guys.
1: Yeah. And I always kind of joke that the best job in the NFL is being a backup, a career backup quarterback, because you're not taking the beating, you know, being on the field, And you must be good enough that teams rely on you if, you know, the starter goes down, but you still pocket millions of dollars. Like, I mean, what's the league minimum now? And quarterbacks usually rarely get the league minimum. They'll usually, if they're the backup, get more than the league minimum. I think the league minimum is still like $500,000 a year. So, I mean, yeah, I think that that's a good spot.
0: Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. as they play more years in the league, it goes up. And I think the veteran uh, minimum is, you know, almost $2 million. So, it the longer you stick in the league that yeah. that paycheck goes up
1: yeah and if you're not getting hit still have your brain function I mean yeah not bad I think I think that's a pretty you know nice deal a little bit and I know some you know people who have hated on Colt McCoy for it it's like he's making millions of dollars to not get his brain spashed in okay <laughs> I'm good with if I were cold I'd be like let's go. You know, I'll do this on yeah. 40 or something. So Absolutely. yeah, but I thought, um, you know, I, I think that I, I thought one thing that is interesting chip to me is, you know, Sam Cosme becomes the second offensive lineman drafted since 2008 joining Connor Williams. Connor Williams was the first one after Tony Hills in 2008, but you know, it's, it's kind of funny to look at their similarities. I mean, Connor Williams goes second round, you know, was projected late first, early second round goes number 50 overall. Sam Cosme projected late first, early second round goes 51 overall. And both of those guys coming out of high school were three-star prospects who were not recruited very heavily, especially Sam Cosme. I mean, Texas, he didn't get a Texas offer until Tom Herman and his staff you know, came over from Houston when he was already committed to Houston. Then he got the Texas offer. That was the biggest offer he got. And it's just so interesting to see that. I think it's kind of a, you know, kind of like how, if you look at all of the top offensive line recruiting talent that in the last several years, a lot of it's gone out of state, but it's, it's really interesting for me to see that the two, you know, ones that Texas actually got drafted were three stars that, Everyone overlooks. So, if anything, I mean, you can you can hate on the development on certain you know positions or not like certain coaches, but it shows that Texas has been able at least somewhat to <laughs> develop uh, you know raw raw diamond in the rough type of talent into NFL draft picks when it comes to offensive linemen. So that's uh, interesting. But hopefully, I think Texas fans will look at what Kyle Flood has done, you know, and Steve Sarkeesian has done with developing talent on the offensive side of the ball, and maybe that'll you know, they'll be able to keep some of the best guys in the state and get some five stars. But still, I always love seeing the guys that were the three stars that somehow surprise and become, you know, day one, day two type of draft picks because it's kind of rare nowadays, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, as you look ahead to next year um, in my my three things chat on Tuesday, I got the question of, will Texas have as good a draft or more players taken next year in the 22 draft than they had this year. And, and I said, it may be less because you don't know what the, you know, you don't know how the seasons are going to go because right now you look at um, a guy like Denzel Okafor, who Steve Sarkeesian said is had as good a spring as any offensive lineman. And he's got all the measurables. Does he, does this offense have a a really good year with Bijan Robinson and, you know, one of these quarterbacks excelling in this offense and, and Jordan Whittington and Troy O'Meary put it all together? And, and, and then do they get the benefit of the doubt for having worked with Kyle Flood? Just like you said, I mean, Alex Leatherwood went in the, first round to the Las Vegas Raiders. And a lot of people had him rated in the second or even third round because he's a little stiff, but because he played at Alabama and he's big, he got the benefit of the doubt. Texas has not had the benefit of the doubt on the offensive line for since Mac Brown was here. Right. So does Denzel Okafor have a, a great year as a sixth year, super senior and, and end up getting, drafted hard to say. And then you're looking at guys like Keandre Coburn who would be eligible for the draft. So would Tavondre sweat for that matter. Do they have a big year and end up, you know, rising up draft boards, Jacoby Jones. So it's hard to say right now who the, who the surefire draft picks are uh, for next year. And And so it's fun. It's it's exciting. And, and, you know, I think if, if we would have looked into the crystal ball, we would have said, yeah, Cosme, Osai, um, Stearns would be draft picks Ellinger. I don't know that we can just point to five who will be in the draft for sure next year. It'll, it'll depend on how well they're developed this year.
1: Right. And the other thing, too, is with the whole NCAA blanket waiver eligibility for the 2020 season. I mean, right now, we don't even know what what, you know, class these guys are technically classified in because they 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 can use it later on, you know, they don't have to announce it right now. So even though, you know, um, DeMarvian Overshawn is listed as a senior, he still technically could have another year of eligibility, you know, same with anybody that's currently on the roster at Texas listed as a senior, Um, unless they've already used it, you know, they're the blanket waiver option, then, you know, they, that makes it a little tricky to kind of predict. Um, I'm curious your thoughts, DeMarvian Overshawn, if he has a, breakout type of season? Do you see him being a guy that is a draft pick?
0: Yeah, I do. And he's probably the the most surefire because of his measurables. Mm-hmm. He's, he's six, four. He's, he's long. He's fast. He's not afraid to hit. He was a bit of a liability early last season in, in coverage. His drops weren't always where they should be his RPO responsibilities. He was a little off on but he got better and improved and ended up having a breakout season last year and and now he's absolutely a guy to watch NFL scouts have him at the top of their list when they talk about Texas for the 22 draft and and the interesting thing is David Benda had a great spring with Overshawn out with the shoulder injury. So Benda's gonna push over Sean, which is good. Right. You know, Overshawn doesn't need to come back from his shoulder surgery thinking, I'm an NFL draft pick. You know, he needs to grind, he needs to to fight and claw and scratch and and have to get better because that's what that's what the NFL's looking for, in addition to the measurables. But his measurables, the fact that he's long, he's six four, he can run that's going to get him drafted for sure. And Overshawn's yeah. probably the highest the highest upside draft pick for, for Texas. I mean, if he really blows up, people are going to compare him to Isaiah Simmons, the Clemson kind of versatile gadget linebacker who's built a lot like um, Overshawn. In fact, when Tom Herman's staff sold Overshawn on the move from safety to outside linebacker, weak side linebacker, it was Isaiah Simmons at Clemson that they used as the example, because Simmons ended up being a first round pick, even though he didn't have crazy production. He just blew everyone away at his pro day and he's long and he's six, four and can play safety and linebacker. Look, if you're versatile, you can play multiple positions and you have the measurables and you're fast and explosive. You're getting drafted.
1: Yeah. And another one I'm curious about is Josh Thompson, honestly, because I mean, he, he's never played linebacker, you know, but he's played a really versatile role at Texas um, playing cornerback, playing safety and playing nickel. You know, I mean, he's played all over the secondary. He's a senior. um, I'm, I'm not sure if he would use another eligibility waiver or not, but. I think he's a guy to watch because he does have the speed. You know, he's he's a quick guy. And I know a lot of Texas fans have kind of overlooked him, but he's kind of been a little bit in a sense when he's been healthy, a Swiss Army knife, which is what the Texas staff has needed in the secondary and you know since he's been on campus. They he's a selfless guy that, you know, started at cornerback and they needed depth at safety, so he moved to safety. Then they needed somebody to kind of fill in the nickel role, so he started doing that before his injury. Um, in the 2019 season that kept him out for the rest of the year that he ended up redshirting that year. But I mean, I think he's somebody also who with a big year could kind of fill that type of NFL versatility type of player that can be used at a multiple multitude of different positions on defense.
0: Yeah. And he's, he's six feet tall. I mean, Mm -hmm. Texas lists him at six feet tall. If he's truly six feet tall, that's what the NFL is looking for. He's long and, and he he'll, he'll hit, and he's a yes. sure tackler. And Deshaun Jameson, same thing. Deshaun mm-hmm. is not six feet tall,
1: right. but he's
0: a sure tackler, and he's a playmaker.
1: And yes.
0: and we've seen five ten guys get selected in the draft. Antoine Winfield um, is a is a prime example. Playmakers, you have to. They get a special exemption. Like if mm-hmm. they just make plays all the time, it doesn't matter. The size because if they're at a big time program like Ohio State or Texas and they're making plays all the time and they're only five ten at corner, you're going to get drafted because you're you've shown yeah. you're not afraid, you make plays and and so Deshaun Jameson who probably has the best numbers and and is a guy who moved from receiver after his first year and just makes plays. We saw it again in the spring game that that guy's an interesting player to watch because I think he and Josh Thompson can have big years and move in and, you know, move on to the, the NFL radar and, and get an opportunity. And, and it'll depend also on how deep the draft is at corner like Caden Stearns, believe it or not, it was a weak draft for safety. Right. That's why he was projected as high as the third round because it was not a deep draft for safety. He still ended up going in the fifth round, but it's some of that depends on is the draft loaded at your position? Is it a good year for you to be in the draft? And so those are things to watch too. So uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I I have a feeling that the offensive players for Texas, we're going to, some someone is going to rise up in this offense because it's Steve Sarkeesian and he's putting them in position to be successful. We're going to see someone's draft stock go up. I know Bijan Robinson's already on every NFL team's radar, but he's, he's not draft eligible. He's yeah. going to have to come back uh, for one more year. I'm not sure what his birthday is. Cause it, if he hits 21, he is eligible, but Um, it'll be fun to watch. So,
1: yeah, yeah, no doubt about it.
0: All right. As we, you know, wrap up the spring, we're kind of, uh, looking at different positions and players. And, um, today in the morning brew, I wrote about Luke Brockermeyer Taylor, because as I, you know, talked to team sources, obviously Jalen Ford was the starter at middle linebacker. Uh, for the white team, the first team defense in the spring game. And Luke Brockermeyer was the starting middle linebacker for the orange team, which was the second team defense. But in talking to some team sources, they said Brockermeyer actually had the more productive spring. And he's not a walk-on anymore. He is um, on scholarship. And he's the son of former Texas offensive lineman, Blake Brockermeyer. But this is a guy you got to keep an eye on because – Juwan Mitchell, we know now is headed to Tennessee and he was the leading tackler on the team last year. And we've talked a lot here on the flagship podcast about Texas's who's going to step in for Juwan Mitchell. Who's going to be the middle linebacker uh, for Pete Kwiatkowski and, and Jeff Choate and Sark mentioned David Benda, who would played He played weak side linebacker the whole spring. He really didn't play much in the middle, but, they think he's smart enough and, and, a you know, got the physical tools to play middle, even though he's, you know, he can get lost a little bit because he's more of a speed guy than a physical guy. But Luke Brockermeyer is a guy we got to keep an eye on because he had a pick six off Hudson card in one of the scrimmage situations in the spring and had, you know, he had a few tackles in the, in the spring game, but you know, they wear those shoulder pad sensors. That's how they measured the work of the player for guys like Roshan Johnson and Joseph Osai, who they have to monitor how hard they're going so they don't cramp up or, or get injured. They they would kind of put them on a pitch count because they can watch these sensors in their shoulder pads. Well, Luke Brockermeyer was regularly the top, you know, he had the top, work production from those sensors among the linebacker group. So that's, that's something that we got to keep an eye on. I, I know Texas fans <laughs> cringe when they hear former walk-ons in contention for a starting job. We talked about Kai money, money uh, yeah. <laughs> a, a while ago, but again, I'm hey Hunter Renfro at Clemson was a walk-on receiver and caught three passes in national championship games, including the game winner over Alabama in, in 2017. So, um, you know, look, it's about production and consistency and Luke Brockermeyer is the guy we got to keep an eye
1: on. Hey, maybe he can get his brothers to come uh, from Alabama, Tommy and James Brockermeyer.
0: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Sark thought he was going to be coaching a Brockermeyer or two at Alabama. Yeah. Now he's coaching a different Brockermeyer at yeah. Texas, but they're on all a different kinfolk. side
1: of the ball. <laughs> yeah. That's right.
0: On, the, on a different side of the ball. And that's, um, you know, obviously the elephant in the room when we talk about middle linebacker for Texas, I'm just going to call him PG, Taylor, because I can't pronounce Paley Paley <laughs> from USC, uh, the 6'2", 250-pound linebacker for the Trojans who's in the transfer portal and has Texas high on his list, and Mike Roach, our man, Ed Horn's 24-7, is said he thinks Texas is in good position on this one. Now he's had concussion issues. He missed almost a whole season because of a concussion, excuse me. And, and we'll see if, if he's all cleared and ready to go and all that, if he is, that's a guy who's got experience, who's played in big games and he's a hitter. I mean, he's a downhill physical player and he would probably jump right to the top of the list in that competition at middle linebacker, and and my goodness, Texas has five transfers so far, and four of them are linebackers or outside linebackers who can rush the passer. Um, and so if, if that doesn't tell you where their, their point of emphasis was, uh, having to replace guys like Joseph Osai and now Juwan Mitchell, uh, I don't know what to tell you, but this is – that's another – factor that you have to keep an eye on. I imagine as USC wraps up its spring semester, we're going to get the word on where uh, Pelé Gayotete is is <laughs> is headed, but um, that's that's another uh, player to keep an eye on.
1: I was just looking at USC's uh, roster, trying to see if they had a pronunciation guide for his name, and they don't, of course not. But yeah, yeah that's definitely one to, to keep an eye on. And I mean, that's a guy that could be versatile too. I think, and you know, I feel like USC has kind of been the the Texas transfer destination. Maybe they'll get it on the other end. You know, with a
0: right little trade. Okay, you (laughs) take Keontae Ingram and Malcolm Apps, we'll take uh, PG
1: and Xavier Alford. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and one thing on Malcolm Apps. Now that we know he's going to USC, I don't get this at all. Like, you're in a Steve Sarkeesian offense, they're coaching you up. They, they've told you, or if you've done your homework, you know that they use multiple tight ends, different kinds of tight ends, because that's how Sarkeesian sets his motion and, you know, sets the eye candy for the defense. And if you can catch, they're going to get you the football. I don't understand why you would pack up and go start over. I get it if Tom Herman is still the coach and you're feeling frustrated or you're feeling like there's a a ceiling because the tight end never was featured. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure Cade Brewer and Jared Wiley are hoping, you know, hitting the floor on their knees every night before they go to bed saying, please, Lord, help Steve Sarkeesian to think of the tight end as he's drawing up plays Mm -hmm. because... He's done it. I mean, Jaleel Billingsley was a guy last year who's very much like Malcolm Epps, very much like Juan Davis. Now, um, who is kind of a situational guy, six four guy, two thirty, fast, not not a great blocker, but they would motion him, and and he got he caught touchdowns as a sophomore. So I don't get Malcolm Epps, who I apparently had the nickname Kool Aid because every He was, he never, you know, he never showed any emotion. He was kind of too cool for everything. Apparently I just don't get why you would walk away from a Steve Sarkeesian offense and go start over with a coaching staff, you know, nothing about, well, you know, the defensive coaches, but I don't know. Am I missing something here, Taylor?
1: Well, I mean, I do think that the timing of it was, um, Interesting to say the least, especially all the way
0: through the spring.
1: Yeah. And then Sarkeesian talks about how he's going to be meeting individually with every player. And then we talked to him, you know, the Monday after the spring game, and he's talking about how tight end is the most important position on the team. And I think it was either that day or the next day that Malcolm Epps entered the portal or, you know, announced that he was going to enter the portal Uh, there is a part of me and this is, you know, just trying to read the tea leaves of if this was his decision or if it was a situation where Steve Sarkeesian, you know, had a meeting with him and said, you're not the go-to tight end, you know, you're not really in the mix because yeah, Malcolm Epps has been on campus for what he was going to be a redshirt junior. Right. Or yeah, yeah, he's been on for at least three years going on into, I think he was a 2018 signee, So going into his, um, fourth season at Texas and he's never done anything really, you know? And I think that, I mean, I saw him a, a lot as a recruit. Um, I could see why he got the nickname Kool-Aid because sometimes I'd watch him and even in games, you know, even at Texas, I'd watch him and be like, is he running as fast as he can? Cause it looks like he's running in slow motion. And I think that was just, you know, his effort level. So there is a part of me that kind of the skeptical, you know, um, p- part of me is probably looking at this, like maybe this was an encouraged move from the coaching staff. I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll see, but yeah. I, I kind of think that the timing was coincidental at best.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, there's competition. I mean, mm-hmm. Gunner Helm is here. Juan Davis is here and Jatavian Sanders is coming, but you're the veteran. You, you should have the secrets. You should have the, you've got the knowledge and and experience to compete with those guys and he didn't want competition apparently or he was promised less competition a faster route to the to the starting lineup at USC I don't know but that that to me was a little curious because look Jared Wiley's not setting the world on fire as a blocker I mean he looks pretty running down the field and catching the football but he's got to get better as a blocker and, and, and Juan Davis and Gunnar Helmer, I mean, they need to go through the, the uh, off season weight program, or at least this summer, try and get some weight on so that they're a little bit, they can at least, you know, get in someone's way as a blocker. So anyway, just, uh, I didn't mean to take up that much time on Malcolm apps, but <laughs> I just, it's like you find out that one of the best offensive play callers is coming to your school and and you haven't had the opportunity, maybe you think you should. It just seems to me like, man, I got to ride this out. I got to fight, scratch, claw, because this dude knows what he's doing. It, but, you know, trying to figure out what's in a, in a kid's head these days is, uh, what do I know? Yeah. Um, all right, Taylor, before we get to love it or leave it, Texas basketball still waiting on the decisions of Greg Brown and, and Jericho Sims. And we, we talked about Dylan DeZue, the the 6'10 uh, big man from Vanderbilt who's from Pflugerville Hendrickson is on his way to Texas. And that would certainly help uh, lessen the the blow of losing both Brown and Jericho Sims. I got to think the longer this drags on, the less likely it is that these guys are going to come back. I am surprised. I mean, if they were really seriously wavering, they could say, I'm going into the draft without an agent right. and, and see how it goes. And we haven't even gotten that yet for them. And I know that Chris Beard is, is scouring the, the transfer market and he's, he's got some guys warm, you know, who, I mean, the craziest one to me is Jacob Young who was at Texas transferred to Rutgers and is now a grad transfer in the portal And Texas is a potential landing spot for Jacob young and young got frustrated with Shaka smart, but young was really good for Rutgers this year in the NCAA tournament. And Chris Beard is like, I can work with this guy. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted on, on how that develops. Um, and Texas baseball, huge weekend, Texas loses the, the series with Texas tech at home two to one, uh, tech played their butts off. Like we said, going into, we said on last week's flagship podcast, they just lost to Baylor in Lubbock. They were coming in steaming mad and they've always Tim Tadlock. He's it's kind of like TCU with football. Tim Tadlock always has his guys ready for Texas. And they win the series two to one. Probably the biggest news coming out of it is Pete Hansen, uh California kid, like our our uh our friend Taylor Estes, <laughs> the lefty who had COVID issues early in the season. It slowed his progress. So Pierce, you know, built his strength and stamina throughout the season as a Tuesday night starter. Um Kobe Kubachek, tough. Outings his last two starts as the Sunday starter didn't even make it an inning against tech, gave up four runs. Pete Hansen comes in, settles everything down, had the bases loaded, got him to hit into a double play and a fly out, got out of that jam. And then Texas goes on to win that Sunday game. But now you're going to have time Madden, Tristan Stevens and Pete Hansen taking on the first place horn frogs in Fort worth this weekend, Taylor. So, The winner of this series could be looking at a super regional. I mean, that's how big this series is for Texas baseball.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. And to point out, I mean, the Texas Tech series, that was the first big 12 series that Texas has lost all year. Um, You know, they've been kind of riding high on a lot of wins. Um, But yeah, this is, you know, we kind of pointed throughout, you know, for the last several weeks of the flagship that we've pointed to you know, the middle of the kind of schedule for Texas was a little bit more of the cupcake part of the schedule. And then it was going to really increase the competition towards the, uh, you know, later in the season. And that's, I think what you're going to see. And with TCU, I mean, they're always, I feel like in contention, you know, I mean, I know it hasn't been every single year, but that's definitely a baseball program that has turned out some really, you know, talented, uh, pros, you know, people that are still in, uh, major league baseball too. So, yeah, this is going to be definitely a challenge and it's going to be interesting to see how the new pitching rotation does work especially when you are changing it before, you know, arguably the the most tough the toughest series at least in conference play for Texas.
0: Yeah, and I think if if there's a a positive um you know, you're going to Time Adden and Tristan Stevens are both draft eligible after this season. But look at the freshmen who are stepping up because you got Tanner Witt, who's probably your best middle reliever. He's the guy who, when things go sideways for the starter, David Pierce turns to first, he's the fireman who comes in. And, And then you've got Aaron Nixon, who's the closer as a freshman, true freshman, and has been... He, he's been a bulldog. He's got six saves. I mean, he's the guy and that's a tough role, um, to fill. Obviously you're the guy who has to come in and get three outs and, and, you know, walk into any situation and, and he's shown he's got the mental toughness for that. And then you had Lucas Gordon go on Tuesday he only went three innings, but he, he threw three shutout innings the only reason they took him out is because they want to have him available for TCU this weekend so they cut him short he was he was dealing right. and he's a lefty and they need him to develop and then you've got Pete Hansen who's a redshirt freshman um, lefty whose slider is just lethal i mean he doesn't kill you with his fastball he's barely touching 90 with his fastball but his curveball his money in his slider is ridiculous. And that's, he had Texas tech batters just waving it air. So I'm excited to see what, what Texas does this weekend, because they're the underdog they're on the road. And let's see if they've got it in them to, to bring down the horn frogs and maybe put themselves in position uh, to be a top eight team going into the postseason And, and potentially host uh, a super regional. So it's, it's big time. And I I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it?
1: Yes, sir. We will get to love it or leave it after we take a really short break, but stick around where we have some more football talk, of course, because it's always football season on the flagship podcast and uh, love it or leave it. So stay tuned. We will be right back. So Chip, you, uh, you ready for this?
0: I'm ready. Everybody loves it. So let's, uh, let's get to love it or leave it.
1: All right. My first one for you is love it or leave it. Second round draft pick Sam Cosme will have the most productive NFL career of the five Texas players drafted.
0: You know, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this because I think, uh, I think Joseph Osai, um, I just love that kid's toughness and metal. Played injured, played with a shoulder injury through his whole um, sophomore season and had that game-winning sack in overtime against Oklahoma State. He's just such a team guy, you know, barring injury. I think Joseph Osai, even though he's playing a higher collision uh, impact position than Sam Cosme, I I think Joseph Osai is going to, probably have the most productive NFL career of the five draft picks. How about you, Taylor?
1: I agree with you. I, uh, I'm going to leave this and I'm also going to say Joseph Osai. And, you know, the thing about Osai that he brings to the table that is not coachable is effort and the will to want to be the best. I mean, when you're put on a pitch count in practice, because you go so hard every play, that is something that you can't teach. You just can't. That's either, you know, you have the fire within or you don't. Some people can maybe learn to be a little bit, put up more effort, but that's more of a trait that I think is so invaluable. And especially, you know, in the professional ranks, because there's always going to be guys that are just as talented, if not more talented than you. And every year they're coming in, you know, this isn't just college where it's like, oh, young recruits will see. No, these guys are, you know, there's, there's talent everywhere coming in at every position, every single year, even mid-year sometimes. I mean, you have to have that mental toughness that really will and fire to be great. I think um, in, in pro sports. And I really do think that that is an invaluable trait that Joseph Osai has. And that's what makes me think that, he's probably going to have the most productive NFL career of all five. Um, You know, we'll, we'll see. I think, as you mentioned, you know, as long as he stays healthy and all of that, but I think his ceiling is the highest. So I'm going to agree with you and leave this one.
0: Well, and as you were talking, it made me think about our earlier conversation about potential draft picks for next year. And Ray Thornton, the grad transfer from LSU is also a guy who you have to keep an eye on. Cause even though he didn't have, much production at LSU. He was behind some guys like Caleb on Chason Then they moved him inside. And in in this defense, he will be in the Joseph Osai role. So he'll have a chance to rush the passer, put some numbers up. But Ray Thornton's also a guy uh, who could could be a draft pick for for Texas in in 22. All right. All right. Love it or leave it, number two.
1: Number two is love it or leave it. Luke Brockermeyer is a legit threat to replace Juwan Mitchell at middle linebacker in 2021.
0: I mean, he is right now, but I think that, uh, our man, uh, Pe- Pele pale, PG. PG, <laughs> PG from USC. So oh, that works PG from USC, <laughs> uh, is going to have something to say about this. Cause I think that he'll, I think he ends up at Texas and and because he's 6'2" 250 and Steve Sarkisian and and uh, Pete Kwiatkowski are used to bigger guys who can hammer at, at the middle linebacker position, come downhill, blow up blocks by a fullback or a tight end coming through the hole. Um I think I'll leave this because I, I do think that PG from USC ends up being the guy to beat at middle linebacker for Texas. How about you, Taylor?
1: You know, I think, I think I'm going from a standpoint of, as we record this, you know, as of Wednesday, May 5th with the current people on the roster, I would say, I love it because I, I think that, you know, from everything that we talked about in the open, I mean, if he's stepping up, you know, using this opportunity for him to really earn himself some serious playing time or even a starting role and the coaches are recognizing it, then yeah, I think he's going to at least be a a legit threat. Um, But I do on the flip side, if PG comes in, he's not coming in to, you know, battle for a position, he's coming in to start um, at this point of his career. And that's what the coaches staff would be telling him. I mean, you know, people that are fourth-year guys transferring, they're not looking to play backup role. So if, there's, if the staff is telling him that he's going to be the guy, then I think that Brockermeyer may, you know, just compete with him, I guess, at <laughs> the position. But um, currently I would say, love it. Ask me again after PG uh, announces his commitment, that might change. But, I mean, if, if anything, it's a good sign, though, because, I mean, he is, you know, his dad is a former, you know, a football player. He has football bloodlines. His, as you, everyone knows, his brothers were some of the best recruits in the country. I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all that he's one that's kind of shining. I mean, he already earned, you know, a scholarship spot after being a walk-on. So um, I think that's a good sign at least for the position, because it's definitely a position that needs not just depth, but competitive depth. And it hasn't really had that. So I think this is good, especially if PG comes in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good call. And Jalen Ford should, uh, he's got the wake up call now and Mm -hmm. they need him to come on, have a great summer, great summer in the weight room and, and put it all together in terms of his comfort level so that he's not thinking as much. All right. Love it or leave it. Number three.
1: All right. My final one for you is love it or leave it. Sam Ellinger beats out Jacob Eason as a backup quarterback to Carson Wentz with the Indianapolis Colts.
0: I'm going to love this. I'm not counting out Sam Ellinger. This guy is a warrior and he's tough. He's got that moxie. He's got that leadership ability. He's going to get coached up by Frank Reich and, and Jacob Eason. I just haven't seen enough of Jacob Eason to feel like he's done enough to, to keep his spot in the NFL Um, It's not going to be easy by any stretch because Eason has, he was in Cleveland. He, he got to start, you know, a game or two. Um, Sam Ellinger is going to have to have his a game, but he's a quick study. I mean, everyone, you talk to Todd Dodge who coached him at Westlake and Todd Dodge, former Texas quarterback who coached, you know, was a former college coach talked about what a quick study Sam Ellinger is in terms of being able to read defense and all of that. I'm, maybe I'm leading with my, my hope here, but I'm going to love this, Taylor. I, I think it's a good spot for Sam Ellinger. He, you know, he could have ended up in a place where there's a, an established starter and a really quality backup, um, and, and it would have been all odds against him. But I think, I think he's got a chance.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm going to love it, too. I agree. Um, And again, I think I'm in the same boat with you. Maybe I'm this is more of my hope for Sam Ellinger, more, you know, thinking that way, more than thinking with my head. I don't know. But it's hard for me to count out Sam Ellinger. I mean, he did everything to prove himself at every turn at Texas. And I know some Texas fans, you know, were really down on him for his you know, senior year. I know it was not outstanding, but you also can't forget what he also did in key games his senior year. I mean, the whole reason why Texas even had the four overtime game with Oklahoma is because of Sam Ellinger. He single-handedly put the team on his back and got them back into that game. And, you know, I mean, that that's something, again, it's, it's the heart, you know, the, the drive, similar to Joseph Osai. You can't teach that. And Sam Ellinger has kind of oftentimes in his, you know, playing career, I feel like kind of been an underdog a little bit um you know took him how many visits to texas and camps at texas before he even got an offer and that was his dream school so you know i think that he he definitely has the potential to do it i haven't really seen much from jacob eason i remember when he was a recruit and everyone was you know enamored with him but i do feel like this may be a sign of what the colts feel about eason if they're going to draft sam ellinger you know to kind of push him cuz what eason's only been there since recently right Right. I mean he was 2020 pick draft pick so yeah I think that that maybe is you know maybe it's a sign that maybe the Colts aren't as thrilled with Ethan as uh they thought they would be as a quality backup so I'm gonna love this Sam I'm always gonna root for him uh he's one of my favorite players and recruits I think I've covered so I'm gonna always you know want the best for him and I do think he does have a legitimate chance to at least like I said career backup role in the NFL. I think that could be something that he could absolutely take control of and take advantage of.
0: Yeah. And they could put him on the practice squad for a year and then bring him up. And, and so I, I have a feeling that Sam Ellinger is going to be on that, that Colts roster in one way, shape or form by the end of uh, fall camp. Um, All right, Taylor, good stuff this week here on the flagship podcast. We, Uh, appreciate everyone listening in as always our flagship podcast mafia and we we love it get over to horns 24 7 stay in the know with all the scoop because scoop is what we do over there and um if you you know are just kind of heading over to itunes and you know you want to give us a five star rating good for the bosses keeps us uh in their good graces we appreciate that So for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Also make sure to check out the flagship podcast interview from Monday uh, with Ari Temkin of uh, Sirius XM Radio, the host of Big 12 Today. His thoughts on on Steve Sarkeesian, how he's come around on Steve Sarkeesian. Check that out as well. And until next time, uh, everybody, thanks for listening and stay safe and keep the faith.